Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I come to work with two hands every day and I'm trying to bless somebody. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clip that. You can get on a podcast. You can get online. You can argue with the clouds. You can argue with the, with the Russian bots. Don't care. It's Friday. October 28th. We're smack dab in the thick of it. The middle of football season feels really, really good. And I am so excited for today's show because to preview a big week eight slate of games is the co-hosts of the old betting episode we had here. The betting boys are back. It's Frank Schwab and it's Scott Pianowski. Frank, welcome back to the show, buddy. It's been a little minute since I've seen you. Yeah, me and me and Scott have not lost all of our bankrolls since we last talked betting, so that's good. But our our co-owned team not doing so well, not doing so well, Matt. But we're gonna turn that thing around too. It's all good. Scotty, what's going on, man? Uh, I'm I'm the the people were be- breaking down my door to reunite Frank and Scott on this episode. So I'm happy to have both of you back here. Yeah, this is like worm getting out of prison. So I, I guess <laughs> Frank can be worm. I can be Mike McD picking him up in the oh, look yeah. at your ride. You're prospering. Hey, I borrowed it. All right. right. Let's drive me far away from here. Drive me far away from week seven. We're going to, I got a berry patch for us. Slim, easy pickings in week eight. And uh, let's go get it. I, I knew this would happen because he's like the outlaw Josie Wales. He always doubles back <laughs> always for a friend. Always doubles back for a friend. <laughs> so, so we got it. You know, strange as it may seem, Frank, I, I can't remember any fantasy games I've won by wonder, you know, by fantastic um, events, but I can recall with great accuracy the bad beats of my career. Yeah. This this whole podcast is like Buckner going back to Shea for the first time. So, <laughs> the yeah. Mopes at the table. Yeah, the musty <laughs> smell. Oh, Which man, do I have? I haven't gotten a single reference you guys have made so far. What? So we're all You've, we're, have you not seen Rounders? No, really? No, no, Frank. Trust me. What? You, you don't want to play the "Have you seen oh, it?" game with me. No. You do. You don't. You oh, don't want to do no. it because you will no longer want to talk to me. Can we, realize- can we stop this podcast so Matt can watch the, one of the greatest movies of all time? My I just hope. I, I just hope now that Matt's a big shot at Yahoo. He has an elevator building. <laughs> well, that would be something. Now that would be something right there. But uh, no, Scott uh, and Frank. Unfortunately, I haven't seen any of these movies because I've I have to just binge watch like every Star Wars piece of content and hate myself for it uh, over and over and over again. So that's where I'm. That's where my life is at. Um, we're here in week eight, but before we jump into the preview of the games, we do have to uh, talk about some breaking news we got earlier this morning. Kadarius Tony 
shipped from the New York Giants to the Kansas City Chiefs for a third round pick, the Chiefs compensatory pick, and a sixth round pick. Just about every fantasy analyst was ready and willing to, you know, rip their pants off in excitement for this move, Scott, because it's a tantalizing talent in Kadarius Toney uh, and a guy, you know, going to the best offensive ecosystem in the NFL, or at least one of the two best in the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm very curious where you are uh, with this Kadarius Toney move, especially since he basically tweeted out afterwards, like, oh, yeah, I was never really injured at, at any point. It only, <laughs> you know, something like that. So maybe he gets on the field sooner than than we thought. But, Scott, your reaction to Kadarius Toney going to the Kansas City Chiefs? Yeah, I mean, it's just nice to see him out of New York because they obviously had no use for him. It was a bad fit. But I don't know how quickly he can onboard in Kansas City. The passing game is doing just fine. It, it hasn't been the most fantasy fruitful, given that Mahomes is having a great season. But I think this is gonna this is gonna be a poll. We live in an era where we all take pictures with our cameras, with our phones, and you have the photo instantaneously. You know, this is gonna be a Polaroid. This is gonna be a drop off the film at the drugstore and, and pick it up, you know, in a week or two. It's gonna take a while before they get comfortable with him and before he gets the full package of plays. There's so many other talented players on the roster. So it's good that he's out in New York because they basically had him stashed away. You know, they had him locked in a, a storeroom closet or something. I don't know what they were doing in New York. And I, I don't know. Maybe this means we can play Wandell Robinson or Darius Slayton with a, a eyelash more confidence going forward. I, I do like Daniel Jones this week. I'll say that. But I think what I would do in seasonal and, and look, the cheapest advice we give as fantasy analysts is like we hedge it with the with the dynasty advice, like buy Tony and dynasty. Yeah, it's yeah, like, okay, yeah. <laughs> that, that's all nice and good. Most of the people who are listening are trying to win in week eight. Tony's not going to help you in week eight. He's not probably not going to help you in week nine. It's going to be a slow developing story. I, I think it's exciting for next year. Maybe it's exciting for December or the playoffs, but I, I'm not going to be proactively playing Tony until he does something on a football field. Yeah, I think the key that you said there is he could be a factor for the playoffs. I, I mean, Look, I get all of the the bad for Tony. Like he's he's seemingly either constantly hurt, malingering, just being kind of a general a hole. You don't need to to bleep that one, John. Um, but so it's impossible for me to sit here and say trust Kadarius Tony with with any amount of reasonable respect because he could just do the same thing he did to the Giants and basically do quiet quitting if he wants to. But Oh my goodness, the the matchup of that offense with that quarterback and that talent that co- Tony has, the sky, the ceiling really is there. I mean, I did the whole like, the, the, as soon as I saw the alert come through, I was scrambling through all my leagues to pick him up wherever he had been dropped. And he had been dropped in a couple places. I, I'm I'm co-owned a team where we dropped him last night of all oh. things, just because of just because yeah. of spite. We were just so spiteful, Kadarius to get off the roster, and then 12 hours later, he's he's <laughs> he's traded to an unbelievable situation. I think there's very little risk here if you're a fantasy player. Like, put him on the end of your bench and see what happens. But you're gonna, yeah, you're gonna have to see it first, just like Scott said. But I do think there is a path here for him to be a real, true difference maker and certain starter when playoff time comes around. I like how you said you quickly tried to say sky and you switch it to ceiling because you didn't want to confuse him with Sky Moore, <laughs> the, the the last exciting pedigree deep threat chief receiver who's done nothing this year but nothing he's dead yeah you could you could probably cut sky at this point i don't think i don't see a path for him i can't get past is when you watch the highlights of the plays he has made in a giants uniform and i realize this is going back a little bit the guy moves like a slinky i mean the the guy's lower body he's like justin timberlake out there it's it's unbelievable just his change of direction on a dime it's he reminded me of odell beckham when he was making splash plays last year and i would not throw away that i'd not throw that comp out loosely so it's certainly 
an upside here. It's just a matter of when the Chiefs can tap into it. This is the ultimate bet on talent. Yeah. I mean, he, we know Tony is ridiculously talented with the greatest quarterback in the world. So I I, I think he could be a real difference maker. But it's going to yeah, – you're right. You're absolutely right. It's going to take four or five weeks. But, well, that's when the most valuable time of the fantasy uh, season comes along. Yeah, Jordan Ronan from ESPN, who's obviously covered the team for a long time, tweeted out afterwards, like, Kadarius Tony's a strange case. He's spoken with former and current coaches about him over the past few months. The talent is undeniable. Previous coaching staff thought he was fine when in the building. Uh, problem was they could not trust him to put work in without their own, like when he was not under their supervision. So um, there's a lot There's a lot there. I think he is an interesting case. I think the range of outcomes on this move is about as wide as you could possibly get. Like, I could totally see especially during the actual NFL playoffs like oh he's making big plays for this team um and he's I think he could be a big part of their plans for 23 because Juju's not under contract next year McCall Hardman not under contract next year MVS um could you know they can get out of his deal in one year so the fact that Sky Moore has never been playing uh I don't think is that concerning for Sky Moore because like he could be a 23 bet Tony could be part of their 23 plans and like maybe they keep MVS around I think Juju might price himself out of the Chiefs uh uniform so this like basically gets the guy into building early so I I'm kind of skeptical that he makes any like like I think he could do what McCall Hardman did which is pop up for like a three touchdown, some outrageous game and then not do anything like for weeks and weeks and weeks other than make, I think, I think it's a better real life move for the chiefs than it is a fantasy move, which is another piece of crutch analysis, Scott, that we always come back on. But I do think is the case here with Tony to KC because I still have a lot of questions about the player, even when he is healthy, big time, rare, rare, truly rare ability in the open field. But I think he's still got a long way to go to be like a, legitimate every down consistent route runner which speaks to some of the concerns about how much work is he putting in stuff like that but isn't it great though isn't it great that we at least live in the nfl now where they make trades in season because this just never happened right we used to do oh wouldn't it be cool if this guy got traded here or this guy got liberated from this team and it would never ever happen yeah every once in a while some roy williams get traded to the cowboys once and he was like a big flop and then it became okay no trades will happen if anybody does get traded basically wipe them off the face of the fantasy map I'm just glad we have stuff. And I, I think we'll see maybe we already had the McCaffrey trade. The yeah. Eagles made a big move. Uh, they've liberated Tony here. It's just cool that the NFL has finally embraced the idea of trying to change your team in season because it seemed like everybody was petrified to do it for, uh, I don't know, 15, 20 years. Yeah, yeah we're, we're not even at the deadline. It. We're not even at the deadline. That's the best part of it. But uh, yeah. One so real quick are, thing on Tony, yeah. by the way, before we move on, we haven't mentioned. The Chiefs did pay for this guy. Like yeah. Robert Quinn went for a fourth round pick and he had 18 and a half sacks last year. They gave up a third and six, conditional, all that. That is a significant price. This isn't yeah, it's not nothing. We're just sending you a seventh. We'll take them on whatever. We might cut them in a month. Third and a sixth is significant, and I always follow the money, or in this case, the picks in the NFL. This is it is a. It might not look it to to the casual whatever fan, but people who you know, if you follow trades, it, this is a significant uh, investment they're making in Kadarius Tony with these two picks. Absolutely. All right. Chiefs are on a bye this week. A good time, by the way, to get a new receiver onboarded. And then we'll talk about the Giants a little bit more later. But let's move on to the meat of the show here. First game up, 49ers at LA Rams. 43 over under. The 49ers are one and a half point road favorites. Uh, Frank, CMC, this should kind of be the time that we really see him a little bit more fully integrated into the offense, certainly than we did last week when he got there on Friday. (laughs) 
Yeah, it was amazing what he did <laughs> with basically 48 hours or whatever to learn to play book. I thought he looked just like CMC always does. My thing is, going forward, I wonder, other they can't keep this all up. Like, Kittle yeah. takes a step back. Ayuk takes a step back. Samuel takes a step back just because the volume almost has to funnel through CMC. You know Shanahan wants to get him a ton of touches, and if he's a 20 to 25 touch guy, uh, all of a sudden that's less of the pie for everybody else. That's what I'm worried about. I think CMC is going to be awesome. I really do. I just wonder about everybody around him. Uh, you know, I wonder, like I have Kittle in one of my leagues. I'm like, is there going to be enough for him to go around? He's a great player, but he goes through those stretches where he just kind of gets lost in the mix. That's what I'm worried about with San Francisco. And also, I'm going to try to give, just just in the spirit of me and Scott being together again, I'm going to give my picks here, too. I like the 49ers here, Scott. Minus one and a half. Shanahan owns McVay, and I don't think the Rams are fixed. Yeah, you know, I don't think the Rams are fixed either, but I think this is a flashpoint for Daryl Henderson. They've moved on from Akers. Kieran Williams uh, was going to be available soon, and maybe he gets into this mix, but he's undersized back. We know they had all sorts of offensive line problems. Henderson's, you know, his stats are okay, right? 3.9 a carry. He was outproducing Akers on a per-touch basis. I'm curious, and I know Frank and I have Henderson shares in different leagues. I'm curious if Henderson's going to be in the circle of trust you know, for a month or two, or if this is going to be a one- or two-week thing. Maybe Williams comes in. I'm actually picking the Rams in this game, only because look, Shanahan's owned this series – Notwithstanding the the NFC Championship game last year, but I think this game is more important to the Rams. Although three and four, San Francisco needs it too. Rams off a bye. If the Rams have anything to show us this year, I think we're going to see it this week, which isn't always the the best way to handicap. But the old Bill Parcells pick the team that's more desperate. I have some fantasy teams that are desperate that need Daryl Henderson to be like another month solution rather than maybe just a week or two. So I'm hoping he marks his territory in this game. I, I think we're going to. This is a fork in the road for the Rams in a lot of ways. If we're going to get have a season of value for Allen Robinson, we're going to have a season of value for Daryl Henderson, Matt Stafford. I think it shows in this game. And I don't know if the Niners defense is fully healthy enough to fun, fight back. So it's a weak vote on the Rams, and it's also kind of a lukewarm vote on Daryl Henderson. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good call, Scott. And, you know, Van Jefferson, another guy coming off an injury. We talked about this, that on the show yesterday with Dalton. Like, I think it's a big deal. Uh, for Van Jefferson coming back as like a vertical threat in this offense, because I, I still like Allen Robinson, but he's not a vertical threat, P- like period. You know, Cooper Cup, they can get him big plays, but he's not necessarily a lid lifter. Van Jefferson can be a lid lifter. So if we're going to see any, I think we'll, I think this game and the next like four weeks matters more for the Rams the rest of the way than what we saw out of the team earlier in the season. And I don't know, it just does all come back to the offensive line. And, and last thing uh, on the 49ers passing game, Debo Samuel might miss this game with the hamstring injury, which, you know, Frank, to your point, would at least clear things up in the passing game. Cause <laughs> I don't know that CMC is going to be like a 25 touch player, but he, if he's going to have those like, seven eight catch games at different points of the year and not be like a two three four catch player that's going to have to eat into somebody and scott and i both thought like debo might be the guy to lose out a little bit because um he's he's in that like create a touch player mold that cmc would be in as well yeah i agree with all i agree with everything you said i but i do i think it just CFC takes over this offense. They didn't trade what they traded for him and not to get the absolute max out of him while they can. And again, this is a desperate team. Can't wait. You got to get him as much as he can while you can. 
It feels like someone new takes over the 49ers offense, like is the apple of Shanahan's eye every year, right? Like, oh, yeah, I mean, he's that meme with the, the yeah, guy looking absolutely. back at the girl. That That's Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. It's like it was Kittle. Well, all right, we'll we'll draft Brandon Ayuk in the first round. No, let's make our offense all about Debo Samuel last yeah, year. Right. No, we're done with that. Let's move on to this like CMC thing over here. So it's a it's a definitely a moving target there. Let's move on to Bears at Cowboys. Cowboys are heavy favorites here. Um, obviously, I think most fantasy managers, uh, Frank, are gassed up about Tony Pollard. But saw this quote from Ezekiel Elliott today. I think pain is a temporary uh, and I need to be out there with my guys. I think it's my job to be out there to be available. If I can be out there, why not? I'm not going to take a game off because I don't feel 100%. I think that's soft. So Zeke's going to slap on a knee brace and we are not going to get the Tony Pollard like breakout game that everybody's thinking. This is kind of the litmus test for Mike McCarthy, right? He's got to step in and be the adult in the room and say, right. Zeke, we saw you last year when you were compromised, when you weren't 100% and you never got 100% all year. We are going to beat the Bears without you. Sorry, that's just the truth. Sit it out, Zeke. Tony Pollard's fine. I, I I respect Zeke's toughness here. And he is a tough dude. Like, he is a tough, tough dude. But somebody's got to step in and say, look, we, we are a good team. We are going to be in the playoffs. Sit down, Zeke. Get right. We're going to be fine without you. We'll have you back at 100% sometime. I don't even, Scott, I'm not even going to waste much time on the Pollard thing. If you have Pollard on your roster, he starts this week. If you if Pollard is on the waivers in your league, you need to find a tougher league. There's no there's no analysis here. Tony, if if Zeke is out, even if Zeke plays, I think Tony Pollard is a must start because he. I can't imagine Zeke having a normal workload here. So if you have Tony Pollard, he starts this week. This is what you've been waiting for. I think he's going to be great. And I also have the Cowboys minus nine and a half because this is a tough spot for the Bears. Monday night on the road. Sunday in Dallas on the road. I think this Dallas team is really really good and almost a little weirdly underrated. It's going to be adorable watching the fantasy industry try to outlove Tony Pollard for the next few days, right? And, <laughs> Amazing. And, and talk about and Pollard. Look, he was having standalone value as it was, right? I mean, Zeke yeah. was kind of the starting pitcher, handling the heavy inning workload, and then Pollard would come in with the relief pitcher with his hair on fire and was outproducing Zeke per snap. But they're asked to do different things. And in reference to the the Elliott quote, it reminds me of Shane Footsteps Falco, who, by the way, I would rank at quarterback fourteen this week, given how <laughs> awful the NFL is right now. Who said that pain heals? Chicks dig scars and glory lasts forever. So I don't, I don't know if that's encouraging some of Zeke's comments this week. I'm going to look at the Chicago side of things and look, they're three and four. They're quasi competitive in a watered down NFC. They're being more proactive with Justin Fields as a runner. Fields is still taking too many sacks. He's still got really bad pocket awareness. Obviously, the Bears haven't set him up all that well, but they've done some interesting things with him proactively in the running game. They're also, last week, I thought they used Khalil Herbert a lot more. That was closer to like a 60-40 Montgomery-Herbert split. I'm curious to see what they roll out. It's easier to run on Dallas than it is to throw on them. They're number one pass defense DVOA, but it's like 12th, I think, run DVOA. Fields, I have to roll out fields in a league where I wisely, a 20-team Charles Robinson league, I wisely loaded up Matt Ryan and Justin Fields. And so, oh, you know, Matt Ryan has been dispatched. Super That's a league where you don't man. cut anybody, but I cut Matt Ryan. So I need you, Justin Fields. Now, I don't I don't think it's a great business model to have a bunch of design runs for your quarterback. I, if, if Fields scrambles organically, that's one thing. But, hey, he's, he's in the kind of circle of trust right now because of the way Chicago wants to play. And I don't think they they want to throw more than 20 passes in this game anyway. So I have Fields ranked probably the highest I've ranked all year, even though I do respect Dallas's defense. And I also think Herbert's going to cut into that pie a little bit. Montgomery's still the starter, but if Herbert gets something going, maybe it's a hot hand situation in the second half. By the way, it's almost ironic that I sit there and watch the 
Chicago Bears and have the same thought I've had for their Dallas Cowboys the last few years, where it's like, yeah, their backup running back is better than a starter. And everybody Pollard knows is it. Better than Zeke, and Herbert is easily better than Montgomery. And yes, I think everybody knows it by now. And since we're adding picks here, I not with any conviction, I'm not going to put any change on this game, but I'm going to take the Bears and the points. Mm. Bears can't block them. Bears can't block them. Yeah, that that's got to be that's got to be the biggest concern, right? And I do think with the designed run point, like that was a huge focal point of that game against New England. Obviously, you know, now you've put it on film, Dan Quinn and the boys can go and, and take a look at it. But if any team in the NFL needs what's what's the we always say about like a quarter a running quarterback is it changes the math right like if any team needed to add like another guy to the mix like maybe you could let him play with 12 on offense it might have to be the Chicago Bears just given the way they're so weak in the wide receiver room and I definitely think it's going to be tough to pick between Montgomery and Herbert at some point in fantasy because I don't think Montgomery will ever get completely pushed out but the fact that the coaching staff said it's going to be a hot hand approach Herbert earned more work there last week I think we continue to see more of him um, to the point that that might flip at some point like we might be ranking Herbert ahead of Montgomery even if I'm not 100% sure that we are there yet Uh, let's move on to the next game here the London game Broncos versus Jaguars Uh, Scott Russ is back. He's doing high knees on the plane <laughs> ride over. I mean, the memes were outrageous yesterday with the whole um, Russell Wilson's working out. I'm I am begging Russell Wilson to sleep, bro. Like, g- sleep is good for you. The benefits, the health benefits of sleep, are better than doing high knees for four hours on the freaking plane ride over. Scott, Russ is back. Do we care? We don't care. He's he's. I'm just right now on the spot. I'm going to give him my first annual Baker Mayfield unsubscribe award. Okay, where last year it's like, how do I unsubscribe from the Baker Mayfield commercials? How do I get Baker Mayfield out of my life? That's how I feel about the Broncos and Russell Wilson right now. This is their fifth standalone game in eight weeks. I have tried to unsubscribe from the Denver Broncos package. It's easier to leave a cult. You can check out anytime you like. You can never leave. You are I get invited. One. You're encouraged to drop Wilson with no pickup allowed. It doesn't matter. He's a therapeutic drop. I dropped her for one league where I was trying to get Daniel Jones. I didn't even get Jones. I had to get my second quarterback guy who I don't even know who that is. I mean, the fact that I was disappointed to not get Daniel Jones tells us where we are in 2022 fantasy football. The Broncos are taking their bye after this game. The Jaguars are kind of a pain in the neck too. They're the team that looks all great in the analytics, but they're two and five. You know, they still have, they yeah. look great on DVOA, but the, you know they have a horrible record. They had all sorts of yards last week. They couldn't catch them into points. I'm not convinced I'll watch this game. I, I may wake up and do a token second half watch. And if I've missed something great, I'll catch it on Twitter or Frank will t- text me or something like that. But I've given up on Russell Wilson. If he does anything in the second half of the season, I know he's been hurt and everything. It will be a pleasant surprise. I've cashed in my chips. Scott, I got good news for you, buddy. Um, this game is only available on ESPN Plus. So you literally have to subscribe to this game and you could just go ahead is and that not. true? Yes, I think that I'm pretty sure that is true. It's exclusively on ESPN. It will find Plus, me. So. It, I'll wake up. It'll be streaming. It'll be streaming <laughs> on my phone whether or not I opt into it. Yeah, I, I know that. You'll see Russ throwing one into the second row. Um, well, it is Halloween, so. I, I, you talked about the benefits of sleep and people do not wake up early for this game. Oh my goodness. You do not want to watch the Denver Broncos again. I'm based in Colorado. People are angry. They're taking it to the streets. They want Hackett gone. They want everybody gone. There, there were people, I guess, chanting outside of the stadium last Sunday, screw Walmart. Let's go to target. Cause oh, obviously no. the Walmart people own the Broncos now like that. It's, I have nothing to say about the Broncos. They're terrible. I'm taking the Jaguars in this game only because I do not want to have any part of my Sunday morning 
hoping the Broncos move the ball. I don't want I, I just, I can't stand the Broncos anymore. No, no, I'm not picking them, not betting on them, nothing. Uh, in this game, I think the most interesting thing in this game, fantasy-wise, is Travis Etienne. Yeah. Hey, it's, lane is clear. Uh, go, uh, no more James Robinson cutting into your snaps, which he shouldn't have been in the first place. Now we got, it's it's Travis Etienne all the way. He looks good. He looks shot out of a cannon. He's one of these all-around backs that could do everything. I love him the rest of the season. I think he's borderline top 10 back. I think the Jaguars are probably going to be better than their 205 record going forward. I think Etienne's going to be a big part of that. Hope he stays healthy. Hope he stops fumbling the ball. Uh, it just, the James Robinson trade was so big for Etienne to just say, here, have as much as you want. Uh, we're going to give you as much of this pie as you can eat. Go for it, Travis Etienne. And I think he's going to be awesome the rest of the way. Huge vote of confidence. Um, do you guys have any confidence in like, I mean, I, I Christian Kirk, I think is going to be fine because Pat Sertan doesn't really travel into the slot. That should that should be fine there. Do you have between after those two guys, do you have any level of confidence in starting anyone here in fantasy from these two teams? Tight end is such a wasteland. I'm also on the Jags, by the way, minus the spot. But tight end so ugly that Dulcich and Ingram are right around that TE12 cut line. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Etn's in there. I, I mean, you almost have to start Sutton and at least you have them. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, but nobody with really nobody with confidence other than Etn that I can think of in this matchup. All right, let's move on to Cardinals at Vikings. Vikings are three and a half point favorites. Um, Scott, you've got on here the Madison myth. Uh, what, what do you mean? <laughs> Yeah, this idea that like Alexander Madison is 80 or 90 percent of Dalvin Cook, um, 3.2 yards of carry this year, 3.7 yards of carry last year. He doesn't have any standalone value. And when Cook doesn't play, I would think Madison would probably be like running back 23 on my board or something like that. Oh, wow. I, I would I know that I always say like Halloween is the time where I, I think trading for I think drafting into running back insurance is kind of a mistake. You should play for the beginning in the summer and then much like bunting is a mistake early in a baseball game. But then as the season goes along or as a baseball game goes along and you may know specifically what you need to do to win, maybe the insurance makes sense. Maybe a bunt makes sense. In this case, I think if I own Del, if I rostered Dalvin Cook, I, I don't think I'd bother with Madison unless I really had nothing else to do with the roster spot. I think he's the most overrated running back in the NFL right now. Wow. That's a long list too. There's a lot of overrated <laughs> running backs. Um, I the, the only thing I want to see in this game is... DeAndre Hopkins, who last week got off the bus after a four-game suspension, put on a hype video. Dude, you, you just coming off a PED suspension. Maybe not. Maybe. <laughs> and maybe in the media. Let's not celebrate that. But that's a different podcast. Uh, he comes off this suspension, gets 14 targets for 10 catches. It didn't do anything explosive necessarily with them. Only, I think, 103 yards. But you could you could tell the Cardinals are like, <laughs> okay, it's your show now. We're not easing you in. And so with 10 days off since that last game, I think he has another similar game. I think this, that's just going to be DeAndre Hopkins the rest of the way, as long as his body stays you know, healthy. Uh, I, ha I had him stashed in a couple leagues where I got him pretty cheap on draft day. Don't love playing that game where you you know you're not getting yeah. six games out of a guy, but I'm pretty happy to have him because I think from here on out, he's probably a top 15 receiver just from volume alone. The nice thing for Hopkins is that you were waiting for him, but it was a suspension. It wasn't an injury. So at least yes. he, could come, he came back you know, totally not missing a beat and is with a team he's already familiar with. You know, I don't trust Cliff Kingsbury, and it's one of the reasons I'm taking the Vikings in this game. But I am begging him. I don't think Eno Benjamin's like Terrell Davis or anything, but I'm so sick of James Conner that I hope Eno Benjamin <sighs> keeps a standalone. I, I'm, this is not a subtweet, Frank. I, I know we're in a league know, together. Right? We have that Connor, was my boy before the but, season. But uh, oh. so I'm not. I'm not. You know, I'm not going after you, buddy. We you all make mistakes, Scott. We all we, make we mistakes. do. We do. <laughs> Should have played those Kings, Mike. Um, 
<laughs> but should, Matt has no idea what we're talking about. I That's hate, the best I part hate of that Cliff line. Kingsbury, man. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I, the assumption of rational coaching, right? It can take you down a bad road many times. Matt, give me some common sense. Can Eno Benjamin survive if James Conner plays this week? Uh, probably not. Um, but I agree with you. I agree with your stance, though. Like, I think Eno ran really well, was explosive, gives them something different. And at this point, too, I guess it, it's just weird that they paid James Conner all that money. But that's kind of the way the Cardinals have been, right? It's like they find that diamond in the rough. Like, like they get James Conner for dirt cheap. They get Zach Ertz dirt cheap in a trade. And they're like, you know, you know what we got to do? We got to double down. We got to bring like, let's let's right. bring that back and let's pay top dollar for it. So I don't know, though. I think maybe because Cliff Kingsbury probably does feel like he's on the ropes a little bit. They have been losing. Uh, obviously, they beat the Saints last time we saw them. But still, maybe that does provide some sort of change. And I, I would say too, Scott, to your point that they need to get, you know, probably more involved is that this offense is sort of starting to transition back to, you know, all right, let's spread the field, right? Like we've got, I'm curious that they use Hopkins as like a 40% slot player, which they've never done yeah. before. You know, he has always just been tethered to that left side of the field. They moved him even to like right slot sometimes, like fully got him on both sides. Like which by the way, totally negated Rondale Moore. Cause which is, yeah, uh, that, that's kind of, that's a hundred percent, a hundred percent that uh, now I'm like, Okay, so but then yeah, that just puts Rondale more in the dirt. I'm like Cliff Kingsbury yeah. can't he can only be like half right. It's always like the glass is half empty. It's never full. Uh, so, but at the same time, now that Robbie Anderson a little more onboarded, you know maybe they can make that work for Rondale more as a non perimeter receiver. And then if they're just spreading things out, yeah, that should be more Eno Benjamin. But again, Scott, I think it's a should be. Will it be? I have I truly have no idea. I truly have no idea. Um, this is a good spot for the Vikings offense to kind of start to get more like get more going they've been just sort of okay so far but the cardinals are still 31st in dropback success rate allowed so this should be a spot for Justin Irv smith Jefferson baby boys. Yeah. Irv smith smash spot uh, oh, we've all yeah. been waiting for i'm on the vikings too scott by the way minus three and a half because no trust in the cardinals giants and seahawks up next seahawks are three-point favorites um look the giants trade away uh, Kadarius Tony Scott, but uh, he wasn't playing for him anyway, so who cares? Uh, I like Wandell Robinson. I like what he's been doing. You know, Darius Slayton, hopefully they keep him out there. And, and Daniel Jones, man, is on pace for 800, more than 800 rushing yards this year, Scott. Yeah, he's been a top 10 quarterback in two of the last four weeks. And this week, consensus number 10 quarterback. I have him ninth, so I'm ahead of consensus. Oh. Take that consensus. And oh, Dalton, Del Don, Dalton outlier Del Don has Daniel Jones fifth. All wow, on the basis yeah. of his legs, not, not Dalton's legs, but but Daniel Jones's legs. The matchup, Seattle, it's a pristine matchup. Brian Dable doing a good job managing his quarterback, and at least his passing game. You mentioned Robinson and Slayton. We know the Giants have one of the worst receiving rooms in the league, but at least they have something they can hang their hat on a little bit. Robinson looked really good in the first half last week before he got dinged up. I've always thought Slayton can play, and I don't know why they've mothballed him the last couple of years. I. You know, he's part of that Nikhil Harry draft where I always thought, yeah, I would have even taken Darius Slayton. It doesn't have to be DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, um, you know, Debo, all those guys, Terry McLaurin. You guys have all heard this before. Mark your bingo cards appropriately. Again, I cut Russell Wilson hoping to get Daniel Jones in the league. Didn't get Jones in that league, but I'm prepared to play Jones in DFS. I'm prepared to play over props. The Detroit Carnival may be dead. The Seahawks Carnival is alive and well. Geno Smith will punch back on the other side. Obviously, they have a, a great running game going no matter who's back there. But uh, Daniel Jones is going to run for like 70, 80 yards in this game. He'll do enough through the air with, uh, again, I think the receivers he's working with right now are maybe a little bit underrated. I think it's going to be one of the highest games on the board, and Daniel Jones will benefit. 
I'm glad you brought up Dalton too, because we talked about this on the podcast, uh, you know, a couple of, I think on last week's preview, who was more likely to suit up for the New York Giants this year at wide receiver? Was it Kadarius Tony or was it Dalton Del Don? And sure enough, Dalton's chances are still pretty good. <laughs> he, might, he, might end up, he might end Did up Dalton taking Dalton pass a... his physical? What, what's the latest on that? Yeah, Has he right. flown to New York? or what? We have Probably any... a holdout at this point. Probably oh, yeah, allegedly. Yeah, he's, he's, holding definitely... out. he's holding out. <laughs> yeah, Drew, Rose, Drew Rosenhaus is, is answering all questions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Doing push-ups <laughs> in his driveway and whatnot. Yeah, Jerry, uh, McGuire, Jerry McGuire actually wanted the Daldon account, but I think he's going with Rosenhaus. Maybe Bob Sugar. Who'd you pick in this game, Scott? I pick Seattle, but I do Seattle. like I do like the Giants to fight back. Yeah, it is. A, it's a tough game spread wise because I think the Giants are just being completely disrespected as to what you know what you talked about. Like Daniel Jones has been pretty good, and this week I was like, "Where's Darius Slayton available?" Because I'm going to be picking him up because I, I I think he's a pretty good player who is in a really good role. Wondell Robinson, same thing. I like this Giants team. I like the Seahawks too. If you replace every pre conceived notion you had of the Seahawks before the season and just watch them in these last seven games, you're like, you know what? That's a pretty good football team. I don't know how Geno Smith is doing it. I, I don't know how Pete Carroll has figured this all out, but they're a good football team. They're probably going to be a playoff team. So it's a really tough pick for me. I took the Giants just because I'm going to kind of keep riding them as long as they're getting points. Uh, the one thing about Seattle that I'll point out is not that anybody needs me to hold their hand here, but Kenneth Walker is freaking awesome. And if you had him, if it, I, I was dumb enough to cut him in one league with a shallow bench early in the season, I was like, eh, it's going to be 50-50 all year. I should have held on to him. But I did have him stashed in a couple leagues, and man, am I happy about that. We throw around, around league winner a lot. Kenneth Walker looks like a league winner. He is a really, really special talent. Any of you guys, uh, like, in any sicko league? Well, I mean, you're in Charles Robinson's 20-team league. Marquise Goodwin has to be, like, a wide receiver one at that point. He's <laughs> like, get him right in. Third base coach waving him into the lineup. Man, I'm one in six in Super League. I don't know what's what. Marquise Goodwin would be my MVP at this point. Thanks I got to see Tony. how much fab he fetched in, in, in that league just to show you how <laughs> desperate. somebody went all in. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody went, like, you know, 70. Like, I, it, it's that league. He went for thirty nine bucks to our our old friend Jeff Passan, uh, punt okay. pass and kick. Gotcha. Throughout thirty nine bucks. Oddly, nobody else bid. There are a couple of zero bids, so he could have had him for one. He bid thirty nine. Yeah, I, I used all my uh, mine on. So I think I, I don't even remember. I don't even remember who I used all my fab money on in Super League. I spent mine thirteen bucks this week on Harrison Bryant. That's why I'm wearing the Bryant hat. <laughs> you can see that <laughs> Harrison Bryant. Thirteen bucks, buddy. Yeah. Love Good it. times. I mean, that's a good one. All right. Dolphins at Lions. This one's interesting here, man. The Lions carnival uh, has been not been fun the last few weeks, Scott. But you think they're not quite as banged as everybody else thinks at this point. I'm going to give them one more week, and here's why. The game with Dallas, Detroit had five turnovers. Jamal Williams, the first fumble of his career at the goal line, no less. Detroit That game was close and competitive. The Williams fumble totally swings things. Then the Patriots game, I think, Detroit had like five drives that went over midfield. They they couldn't convert a, a fourth down. They didn't kick the cosmetic. Let's not get shut out field goal. And they could have several times. And the yardage disparity in that game was like 40 yards. I get it. Detroit, you know, you take away their best skill players. You know, Sun God doesn't play or Swift doesn't play. They look like a different team. I understand that. But I don't think all is completely, hope is completely lost. Miami's a funnel defense. They shut down the run. You can throw on them. Khalif Raymond has been a nice 
pickup if you need a deep receiver. I think I might have him in Super League. Unfortunately, I, I need to treat him like a you know a must start player. I don't even have to think about it. That's how bad my team is. I did beat Frank earlier in the season, but yeah, so that's uh, not hard. I, I'm giving the Lions one more week. I think Frank and I are going to be on opposite sides of this. I'm going to take Lions back home. I don't think they're going to quit on Campbell. They're not a good team. But I don't think last week was as bad as it looks. And maybe they just caught New England at the right time. I, th- I think this will be, I don't know, 27-24 type of football game. I think the, I think the carnival is back in town at least for one week in Detroit. Interesting. Yeah, we we're, our, our text conversations this week as we figure out our picks for our, our league where we have to do picks together is going to be interesting because we're on the opposite end. I hate being on the opposite end of you, but I like the Dolphins. Look, the Dolphins are 4-0 in games of Tua Vailoa has started and finished. They're good. The Dolphins are a good football team, and I don't know why everybody jumped ship because they were losing games with Skylar Thompson and Teddy. It's like they were even competitive in those games. I, I think the Dolphins are really, really good, and I think the Lions just... I, I think what's happened to the Lions, and this is Narrative Street, is they've just gotten into the, well, what can we do with the Detroit Lions? There's no sense of confidence from them. There's no... You knew, you knew something was good. The moment that they didn't get that touchdown... When it was like, okay, you're going to spot them on the one-yard line. In the back of your mind, you're like, something's going to happen here, and they're not going to score. That's the Detroit Lions right now. I I don't think Dan Campbell's doing a good job at kind of reversing that skid. I I just think that – I think the Lions are kind of lost right now. And, and yeah, they get Swift back this week, probably St. Brown back this week. That's going to help a lot. But I just trust this Dolphins team. I really do. I I think it was ridiculous when people were ranking them first in the NFL in their power rankings after week three. Yeah. That's not power rankings. That's that's just copying and pasting the standings. Anybody can do that. They were never the best team in football, but I think they're a good, solid playoff team who, again, has not lost this year when Tonga Vailoa has played quarterback. So, and it, yeah, we're going to be fluky, on here. As fluky as that win was over Buffalo, they got it paid back when they outgained Minnesota by a huge edge and didn't win that game. So they should have lost yeah, the Buffalo they, game. They, they should have won Minnesota, the Vikings yeah. game. You talk about the Lions. I mean, you know, Halloween's around the corner. If there's a team that's the Charlie Brown, you know, they get a rock at, at every house they go to. It's, it's either the Browns <laughs> or the Lions, probably the Lions, right? I mean, I, I can't think of a team that's been on the wrong side of more officiating calls. Yeah, the, you know, the, the Calvin Browns Johnson play, the Seattle the Monday problem, night play. Yeah. It just something bad seems to happen in the Lions. And I'm fine with something bad happening in the Lions. Just can you lose by three? <laughs> that's all I'm asking. That's all well, I want. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm kind of with Frank on this one, too, because – the Dolphins just have so many things kind of clicking together right now. I think two will probably look a little more comfortable uh, in his second game back. You know, it's just so so much going on around the guy, not just because he's not on the playing field after, you know, the gruesome concussion, all that stuff. It's just like, you know, having to deal with like an investigation from the NFL and all that. Meanwhile, right. like, you know, Raheem Mostert has run so well as this team's lead back. Like there are several, I, there's definitely several big name backs in fantasy that I'd think about like playing Raheem Mostert ahead of them in this, especially because of the matchup with Detroit is so good. Raheem Mostert's awesome when he's healthy. That's the whole whole problem with Mostert is, is he get the workload and now he is. And is he healthy? But what my co-owner and another team, not Scott, uh, another team was like, I just want to cut Chase Edmonds, but I can't. And I'm oh, like, no, we can't because Mostert's probably going to get hurt in a week. And yeah. and then Chase Edmonds is going to reemerge. But yeah, Chase Edmonds was one of my big whiffs in fantasy, by the way. Thanks. I, I Now that we're talking about the Dolphins, I can I can get on the couch and complain about Chase Edmonds being a zero. Yeah, you follow the money. Sometimes it, it, it takes you down a, a bad path. By the way, I apologize yep. that there's a lot of sunlight in my room today, I'm, I'm actually taping at Lucas Oil Stadium. So, um, that's, that's, you don't get your sun god was there for the, uh, yeah. just, yeah, I've got to, you know, I, I, I thought about wearing eye black for this episode. You know, I don't want to have a pass hit me in the face mask. 
<laughs> Love it. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll preview the rest of the week eight games. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. And we're back. We got Raiders at Saints. Um, Scott, Dalton is the, uh, not Dalton Del Don, Andy Dalton is the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. They've made that official. Dalton's already though, under contract with the Giants. Yeah, right. Well, not under contract anymore. yet. He's still holding just, out. He's they still, got his rights. They got his rights. Yeah, yeah, they got his rights, but uh, he's making a few demands over there. Meanwhile, Andy Dalton, starter for the Saints, even though Jameis Winston is uh, allegedly healthy to play. But this, I think, is pretty good news, actually, for the fantasy guys, despite um, Jameis Winston's kind of theoretical upside. True, although it's almost like last week they said to Andy Dalton, could you just play a James Winston game? You know, throw a couple of pick sixes, play with your hair on fire, give us give us some memes, give us some videos that Twitter can play over and over again. <laughs> that that great interception return where the, the, the Cardinal guys flying through the screen and Dalton just looks so defeated emotionally. <laughs> but here's the th- here's the thing. James Winston's not good for Alvin Kamara. Andy yeah. Dalton gives Alvin Kamara a fighting chance in the passing game. Now we know that we all know the stats now that Kamara's get over a hundred touches. They've scored 20 touchdowns on offense, none of them to Alvin Kamara. And let's just face it. Their best short yardage back is not even a running back. It's Taysom Hill, whatever you want to cl- clarify him as. I think I have him as tight end five just because one, the position is gross and two, because he has so much touchdown equity. But if you're an Alvin Kamara manager, other than a possible trade, which I, I guess we can't rule out. I don't, I don't know if the Saints would consider that. There's been some rumors about that, but Kamara's a better, I, I move him up a few spots when Andy Dalton plays because it's just easier to see Kamara getting some catches. I We weren't in on Kamara this year, you and me, Matt, and mm. I still think he's kind of a, a little bit overrated in the fantasy space because there's a reason why he's not scoring these touchdowns. Part of it's bad luck, but part of it is because they, the short yardage touchdowns go to other people. Uh, okay, that's not going to change, but at least Andy Dalton gives Kamara a fighting chance. That's the news you wanted if Kamara's on your roster. I was going to ask if you like the Raiders or Saints here, because this was one of my tougher games. On the Hate board. it. Hate the game. I'm taking the Saints. Wouldn't bet a penny on it. Mm, yeah, I, I took the Raiders and didn't feel great about it. Shoot. Um, I don't know why. I feel I feel pretty good about the Raiders right now. I know and a lot of it is because of Josh Jacobs, who's been, you know, I think people are just now starting to be like, oh, man, Josh Jacobs is an RB1 in fantasy. Shoot, Josh Jacobs has been an RB1, <laughs> like, basically from the whistle Coffee. this year. Comfortably. And before before this year, I was like lukewarm on him and the Raiders declined his fifth year option. And I'm like, he's just not he's fine. He's a solid NFL starting running back. Never gonna be what he was. A couple people, including our our good friend Doug Farrar, battled back on me a little bit and said, No, this guy is really, really talented. Look at the tape. And I like, okay, I, I guess I get it. no this year's no contest. Josh Jacobs is man, if we were drafting right now, would he be a first round pick? I mean, given yeah. the state of the running back position, he probably would be. He's looked awesome, too. If you just watch it, this isn't like just lucking into touchdowns or anything like James Conner did last year. This is Josh Jacobs being probably the best player on the field in a lot of games he's played. I, I just, hats off to Josh Jacobs. He's going to get a pretty good contract for a running back anyway next offseason. He's awesome, and that's part of the reason I'm taking the Raiders is because they've really unlocked him. 
You know, we have a thing on Yahoo Fantasy called MVPs, which is how often a player appears on the top 500 Yahoo public teams. And right now, the mm-hmm. number one MVP per that stat is Josh Jacobs at 57.4%. And then it drops down to Kelsey. It drops down to Austin Eckler. He, Josh Jacobs right now is the is your biggest profit player. He's your biggest right answer. And not only did our, our buddy Doug Farrar call that, but unfortunately, because he's going to remind us of this a thousand times, Andy Barons was all in on Jacobs. Yeah, I was pretty yeah. much yeah, all out on I Jacobs. I should have said him too, yeah. Well, yeah well, both me and you were out on Jacobs. I don't have one share of him. None. Nope, I'm getting nothing from this. Um, nothing. I played him a couple times in DFS, but whatever. I, my seasonal teams mean more to me than any DFS contest ever will. So I am uh, I was on the other side of Jacobs. I thought the when they walked away from his fifth-year option, I, I thought, not that I, I really thought there was a lot of talent in that backfield, but I expected Josh McDaniels to fall in love with somebody and find 60 catches for Abdullah or Brandon Bolden or something like that. The Jacobs role in the receiving game has surprised me. It's been odd that players like Derrick Henry and Josh Jacobs, who we've all given up on as receivers, have actually caught the ball this year. But uh, Josh Jacobs has been the number one right answer in fantasy football this year. And uh, congratulations if you're on that train. I am sitting on the bench. I'm not on it. He's um, this year's Cooper Cup just doesn't play the same position like that mid round guy who just gives you an absurd advantage. Um, By the way, as we're uh, taping this, there's no sign of Devontae Adams, who missed Wednesday with an illness at the start of practice here on Thursday. Uh, So that is that's a little concerning. Um, You know, no Devontae. The rest of their passing game has like not been consistently good at all with which with the Raiders, which is why I think Matt Collins, baby. I said consistently good, not (laughs) <laughs> Not just against the Tennessee Titans, good. Okay. Yeah, it feels uh, yeah. like it feels like Adams is having a disappointing year. He's still wide receiver six per game in cumulative points, points, which is yeah, yeah. speaks to the position being kind of messy. Yeah. He's been a little bit disappointing in what the raw numbers are, but when you rank him against everybody else, he's actually been okay. I mean, the problem is that I, I don't want at least one of my teams. I must have taken Adams over somebody like Stephon Diggs, which you know Matt Matt will like disavow me for that. But yeah, um, so that that hurts when you get that one wrong. But it, Adams is not the problem here. I, I feel like the Raiders are a team of like mild disappointments, and then Josh Jacobs, who's like a home run. Yeah, that sounds about right. The whole team has been a little bit disappointing this year, although they're certainly not out of it in that division uh, with the way the Chargers are so banged up and whatever the hell's going on in Denver. All right, Panthers at Falcons. Um, you know this game. Here's the, here's the deal, Frank. You say you don't get the aversion to passing in Atlanta. I I actually saw somebody say this like maybe we should have given um you know we should have like raised an eyebrow uh, at Matt Ryan a little bit more that you know after spending one year with Matt Ryan, Arthur Smith is just like I'm never throwing the football again. Not after that, okay? Like <laughs> that's, that's not NFL football. Can't throw it forward anymore. Yeah. yeah, I don't get it. Like last week they were in an. Uh, a game script that is screaming for them to throw the ball. And I think Mariota ended up eight of 13, nine of 14. Uh, and you were yeah. behind 17 points the entire game. You're just like, we don't, I don't care. We we don't want to win this game. As long as it means I don't have to throw the ball is I'll take a loss, but I don't want to throw more than 14 times or my head's going to explode. I don't really understand what's going on with Arthur Smith there. I get Marcus Mariota is not great throwing the ball, but when you're down, 17 20 points of the Bengals you got to throw it and he's still he's like, nah, nah, not gonna do it not gonna do it so yeah I've kind of given up on every league where I was obviously the Kyle Pitts thing we've talked about a million times he's practically unplayable now uh Drake London has fallen off the face of the earth that's why I, I did take the Falcons because I don't trust the Panthers whatsoever I think they're a bad football team still even though they beat the Buccaneers but 
I'm sitting here saying, do I really want to lay four and a half points with a team that does not want to throw? They literally, I think if Arthur Smith could play that windy game in Buffalo where Mac Jones, you know, handed off 38 straight times, I, he must watch that game like a hundred times in the offseason. Been like, that is a football I want to play. I mean, he must have. Yeah, you can't play Drake London at this point. I don't even think you necessarily – you don't probably have too many better options than Kyle Pitts, but you – You probably have to. I had some Njoku Pitts leagues, and now, well. Oh, man. man. Uh, you you would, you'd really found some money there, and now, unfortunately, you've lost it again. <sighs> Scott, any kind of credence to how – look, DJ Moore had his best game of the season uh, by a country mile against the uh, against Tampa Buccaneers, and I think a lot of it was like P.J. Walker actually played well in that game. Mm-hmm. You talk about Arthur Smith watching that tape over and over again. I think he's watched that tape more than, than Mike McDee has watched the 1988 uh, World Series of Poker. <laughs> Johnny Johnny Chan, you know, he has a patience to wait him out and risk winning nothing with those cards. Yeah, he yeah. owns he owns them. Side doesn't even know what hit him. And as right? Arthur Smith owns the running game. Yeah, yeah Cal Pitts doesn't <laughs> even know what, what hit him. Uh, I took the Panthers in this game, but I hate this game. Again, I wouldn't bet a penny on it. It's hard to know the, what the Panthers did last week. Was it a dead cat bounce or is there anything sustainable here? I just have a really simple hope. It's just prop up DJ Moore. He's actually He's been not. Scott, quasi playable up, three or four weeks. They used him proactively. They schemed him easy touches early in that game, which I'm encouraged by. We know PG Walker is not really an NFL starter. We also know Carolina's defense is actually pretty good. A couple times this year, it's collapsed under the weight of the offense, but there's good pieces on defense. And when they have a good team again, we'll probably be pointing to the defense. G.J. Moore was on all my benches last week. This week, I'm going to let him back in. Wide receiver three. I'm giving him the Robin Williams hug. It's not your fault. It's not your fault, man. You know? We can do Goodwill Hunting quotes next if you want them. I'm, I'm ready for I, those I, too, I, I have seen I have seen Goodwill I, Hunting. Oh, my God. You see Goodwill Hunting. Well done. <laughs> I had to see about a girl. Scott, I'm going to have an intervention for you on DJ Moore. This ain't happening. It just, you know, I, 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 I want it to happen in some of my leagues. It ain't happening. It's I'll, just, I'll break, I'll break the tie here. I'll break the tie here and say I'm with Scott on, on DJ Moore. Now, Scott, yeah. uh, DJ Moore is not going to lead the NFL in receiving yards. Uh, that, that's definitely Who would ever say happen. that? I don't know. Some some real <laughs> moron uh, that would definitely say that. But a um, couple of changes for DJ Moore last year. I mean, last week, obviously, no Robbie Anderson, no Christian McCaffrey. You ain't going to throw a bunch of passes to old Terrace Marshall. I'll tell you that. So, you know, season high by far in air yard share uh, for DJ Moore, um, you know, 40, 47% of the team targets. That's great to see. They also got him like a decent bit of work out of the slot, uh, 19 snaps in the slot. That was, again, a little bit of a change from what we've seen with the Carolina Panthers. I, that's something I've always complained about with DJ Moore is that they just run him out as a pure X receiver. And they never get him. Um, a lot of those layup looks like you mentioned, 38% snaps in the slot last week. I, if they're going to continue to do that kind of stuff, Frank, I do think DJ Moore will never be what, what like, the highest of highs hoped for, or even like the moderate highs. No, no, he's for. not. No, but not he, but the, I think he can be. I think he can be salvageable. I think he can be salvageable. I don't know. I'll 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 wait. I'll wait and see. Maybe you guys will dunk on me Monday. That's fine. But I don't see. Well, I just do, don't we'll think do a Sunday offense, night I just behind think your back. Offense. So that's yeah, right. Right. Look, I, I just think just, this offense stinks. I, I just I wouldn't I, say PJ Walker was printing last week, but was he distributing, Frank? <laughs> it could be, could be. Did uh, you always catch me at those? Now Matt knows that has nothing. No, like I love that Matt is totally out of this conversation. <laughs> I'm enjoying it too. All right, Patriots at Jets here. Um, oh boy, Frank. Uh, where are we at with Zach Wilson on this one? 
I mean, no Brees Hall. Zach's got to play, right? Like, this is, hey, kid, this isn't going to be 110 yards and you get the win. Like, Zach needs to show up here. This might be, honestly, one of my biggest gambling plays of the year. I love the Patriots. Because you know why, Scott? We have written off the Patriots. Everybody was, oh, Belichick screwed up the quarterback thing, and the Patriots are garbage. And no, we've done this before. The Patriots are are not some unsalvageable wreck. They were doing just fine. They had a bad game on really bad game on Monday. And yeah, they probably did screw up the quarterback thing in a moment. But I, I just I trust Bill Belichick to put the clamps out on Zach Wilson. And without Brees Hall, I just don't know where this offense's counterpunch is. I think the Jets. Re- I, I I don't. This isn't really a fate of the Jets. I, I actually like the Jets. I think the Jets are a pretty good team. But the Patriots in this spot where everybody is against them, Bill Belichick's record against the spread in this spot is like 57-0. Like, I mean, how many times have we done this? We know what this movie is. We know how it's going to end up. Yeah, it should be an easy clean. Bill Belichick against Zach Wilson. Patriots off a loss. Belichick against the Jets, who, you know, he has this horrible relationship with. And everybody's saying, writing off the death knell. Now, the Patriots get a real big break here, with obviously, with Brees Hall being out because the, the Bears crushed the Patriots' soul with that running game and all those third-down conversions. And Brees Hall probably would have run wild against the Patriots. But yeah, And Michael Carter's not a bad player. We talked about James Robinson earlier. He literally was a jag on the Jags. Nice story and everything. He was propped up by unsustainable long runs that were more about defensive busts than anything else. I love New England in the spot. And I'm curious to see... Stevenson was New England's bell cow, feature back, all all down guy Monday, and they eased in Damian Harris. I do think Stevenson's better than Harris, but I'm curious. Is this like 80-20, 70-30, 60-40, 50-50 hot hand? What is the lane they're going to choose? Now, I'm torn here because I have Stevenson shares. I really need Stevenson to be a 70-30 guy, which is where I think it's going to land. I think Stevenson's a lot better of a pass catching back than Harris, but... Maybe they didn't want to expose Harris to a lot his first game back. And once the game got out of hand, what's the point of playing Harris anyway? You know, you weren't going to come back. But I'm encouraged by that Stevenson, I think, is a better fit in all packages. And and I'm hoping that he's somebody I can lock in as a high-end RB2 the rest of the way, at least. Maybe even better than that. And and Frank, you and I have Michael Carter in a league. You know, he's going to get most of the work this week, you would think, with Robinson being new to the team. But I think if I could have either one of these backs, I think I'd take Carter anyway. Yeah, yeah, I, I think sure. Carter's pretty good, but he's not Brees Hall. That's the no, thing. Like nobody is. So much of this offense the past couple of weeks has just been get Brees Hall the ball and get out of the way, and they can't do that anymore. And again, Zach is, I don't know. I, I just Zach Wilson is yet to impress me. Let's put it that way. He he needs to he needs to do more. I don't think he can. I really don't. And especially with this Elijah Moore stuff going on, I, I just don't trust this Jets team in this spot. I, I think it's going to be a tough go against for them against the Patriots. Yeah, um, I'm 100% with you, Frank, that like when things are there for Zach Wilson, when he's in, I mean, he doesn't like to play in structure, but when the picture is clear and he's not pressured or anything like that, like things can go okay. Like his statistically, when he's kept clean, he's a pretty good quarterback. But the second things go off the rail, they go all the way to the trash. And I feel like Belichick's going to put him in a little bit of a blender there. You know, it definitely seems like a good bounce back spot for the Patriots. All right, next game up Steelers at Eagles. Um, I said, Scott, that I don't want to play anybody on this Pittsburgh Steelers offense at this point, but I did get a little pushback from folks uh, from listeners about Pat Fryermuth. Yeah, his last two full games, he has seven and eight catches, and he was getting all sorts of love from Kenny Pickett down the stretch against Miami, even though he only played about 60% of the snaps. I I think that snap share goes up now that he's more healthy. 
And I think Philadelphia can be had down the seam. He's going to lead the team in catches this week. And I know it's a talented receiver room. Although I'm starting to wonder if Deontay Johnson was just overrated his whole career. He leads the NFL in targets without a touchdown. Um, he's catching. He's I know he's open, but he's open for like these four or five yard catches. I I don't know. I I have a Jonte Johnson on a on a team where I'm I'm thinking of benching him because I just feel like it would take an act of Congress for him to actually get in the end zone. But uh, Frymuth's going to lead this team in receptions this week, and we're scrap scrapping for anything we can get a tight end. He's somebody you can use. And as far as the point spread goes, Mike Tomlin is a big underdog. I have to reflexively take the points. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I I mean, you know me. I, I go. Double-digit spread in the NFL. I'm looking to the underdog and trying to – I need to be talked into the favorite, and I can't – I love the Eagles. Uh, they were my okay. NFC Super Bowl pick before the season, and I just can't get them at 10.5 here. I, I just – the Steelers are going to be scrappy. Tomlin's a great coach, and I think basically what we saw last week against the Dolphins, the same type of script. Just ugly game, low scoring. They're going to somehow find a way to cover the spread. But this Eagles team is really good, and that Robert yeah. Quinn move was – I thought it was awesome. I didn't think they gave up much at all for him. I think he immediately helps them because you're a pass rusher. Go in. Go get the quarterback. I mean, that doesn't take much onboarding. Let's put it that way. I I don't have much to say really analytically. If you have an eagle, you're putting him in the lineup. Like you're playing Goddard. You're playing Devontae. You're playing AJ. Because this offense is really, really good. The defense is great too. I think they win, but I I just, I'll I'll take the Steelers and the points and just say somehow, some way they'll cover it. Now that the Colts have fallen apart, the only game on the Eagles' schedule, assuming nothing catastrophic happens to the roster, where they might be an underdog, is at Dallas. They will be yeah. favored, and so good on anybody yeah, who, who I mean, was able to keep their defense through the bye week because they're going to be that, favored every week. And that's the thing about them as a team. Like, if, if you like, are they going to go seventeen and zero? No, they probably won't. But you start looking at the schedule game by game, and you're like, yeah. I don't know which one they lose. I they're probably in for a fifteen and two season. Yeah, like, the, Giants, the Giants will probably pick them off once. You know, well, they'll lose <laughs> yeah, two games. Maybe in division, I, I don't guess, know. Are but... you picking the Giants? If I gave you a pick them, Eagles at Giants. Are you picking the Giants? I'm not. No, but it's the idea that you're eighty or eighty five. Yeah, you're probably going to lose. It's like yeah, Steph Curry right. misses a free throw once in a while. You know, it's yeah. just one of those things. But yeah, I get it. But this team, you look at the schedule. Yeah, I think they are too. Let's forget that I picked the Chargers to, to represent the AFC, Bad. which will not oh. be. They do represent the AFC as, a t- as one of the sixteen franchises. They will not <laughs> represent them in the Super Bowl. Maybe I want to walk away soon. from that, man. Oh man, what a nightmare! Um, and Steelers offense, man. Just one last point on that. It's I watch a lot of offense, watch a lot of coaches' film. It's the worst offense, like the worst designed offense in the NFL. I actually, I actually feel bad <laughs> about all the things I said about Ben Roethlisberger um, over the last few years because I think you don't. I know. I look. Ben Ben <laughs> deserves a lot of a lot of heat for the player he was last year, but there's a lot of there are a lot of problems still in that offensive design that weren't just Ben Roethlisberger's fault because this offense is still really poorly designed and Ben Roethlisberger's not there. Although Kenny Pickett, I don't know, not not looking that great so far. Let's move on to the next game here: Tennessee Titans uh, at the Houston Texans. Frank, <laughs> I mean, Damian Pierce is probably our king without Brees Hall out. Yeah, right. I was going to ask you guys, who who are you guys, who's going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year? I have some Pierce tickets. I have some Brian Robinson tickets that I bought before he was shot. So that probably isn't going to happen. But I do have some Pierce tickets for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Brees Hall, now the, I mean, I, I think Pierce probably wins this, but maybe it's Walker. Who would you guys pick as Offensive Rookie of the Year right now if you had to pick? Pierce. I, I'm saying who will win, not who is right now. I think I think Pierce is the front runner. Walker has to catch Pierce. Let's put it that way. I think Walker, but I think Walker does catch Pierce. I think he has to catch Pierce, yeah. but I think he does catch Pierce. He also plays for a team that's probably going to go um, to the playoffs, which I think will move mm, the needle. Yeah, a little that's bit. fair. That's fair. I, I think the point to be taken away though is 
both of these guys are awesome. Yeah, like Ken, Kenneth yeah. Walker's kind of the new toy, and we're all excited about him. But Damian Pierce has been doing this basically since week one when Lovey Smith lost his mind and decided week two. Was gonna week, run out week two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, unbelievable. But uh, since I mean, since they finally said, yeah, we need to get Damian Pierce the ball more, he has been awesome. It's a it's a really good crew of rookie running backs this year. Brian Robinson included. I think Brian Robinson's looked pretty well the last couple weeks too. So uh, really, really good crew of rookie running backs, which is good to see. Uh, Scott, you said we could skip this game. Yeah, nobody would complain or notice. Um, I will say something that I know Matt and I have talked about before. I want to see Brandon Cooks get traded. The the Chargers are yeah. certainly a team that needs something deep downfield, but there's a lot of contenders who have receiver rooms that could use bulking up. So Brandon Cooks knows what it's like to pack it all up. He's changed teams several times. He's had a nice run in Houston. Uh, let's let's get him on a, a different team for the for the stretch run. By the way, Scott, why, why is this line only Titans minus two? I, I, take, I feel I like there's the a Titans. Trap. I know it feels like the you soccer square play. I have to take the Titans. You have to. I don't know who's taking the Texans out there. It's like, I know the Titans are good and not as good as a record, but man, oh, I know man. the Titans, Texans They're are always bad. better I, than I the record. The Titans are always. Right. <laughs> That's who they are. That's Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel is an awesome coach. He's a they top have, five coach in the NFL. They have one fantasy player who's worth playing in Henry. It's amazing, right? I mean, the Giants it have really so little is, startable. Yeah. I, although man, Jones I had to go to Tannehill it. in a couple leagues last week because Josh Allen issues or whatever. Ugh. Ryan Tannehill's five points didn't help me. I do really. quarterly power rankings of how much fantasy juice every team has. I could rank the Titans last. Think about yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have could. one guy. That's it. Yeah, I, you know, yeah. nobody's asking me Tannehill questions. Everybody's given up on yeah. Robert Woods. Yeah. Austin Hooper hasn't shown up. You know, obviously the their rookie receiver got hurt right away. I mean, it's just there's nothing here. Mike Vrabel is is a magician. Yeah, yeah, he's really really good coach. Culture baby, culture coach. That's what that's what I'm talking about there. All right, the battle of the backups here. Last one before we transition to the primetime games. Commanders at Colts. Scott, Sam Ellinger, give us give us the heat, baby. Yeah, I mean, he can't play any worse than Matt Ryan on a per-snap basis, but the problem is yeah. they would let Matt Ryan throw 40, 45, 50, 59 passes if need be. They're not going to do that with Ellinger. So we have to take Michael Pittman down. We have to take Alec Pierce down. This Paris Campbell breakthrough that nobody saw coming, that's been that gets kind of muted now. But um, this is a team, There's there may be a power struggle. I'm not sure that everybody in the building agreed with what the right move to do was. Nobody's going to miss Matt Ryan, but, I mean, Ellinger was a guy who stayed in college forever. He was a sixth-round pick. So there's no real ceiling here. Um, I, I can't believe I actually not only picked the Colts last week, but I, I gave them out as a dart, which you know looks horrible now. But uh, at least I don't have to watch Matt Ryan play anymore. It just seems like he's got nothing left, and, and he's his fall is being shielded because we're all talking about Brady and Rogers and Russell Wilson and stuff like that. So this in, in Indianapolis is you know it's it's not like they play in New York or L.A. or something like that. They're kind of out of harm's way when things like this happen, but. And I'd like to see Jonathan Taylor get going, man. I, the, the Colts what do you have think the worst I'm going to ask you that. What we, I mean, Taylor did look better last week, but a couple of things now. I mean, the offense itself probably isn't going to be as good with with Ellinger, and, and running quarterbacks don't throw to running backs. I, I mean, not that Taylor's a huge part of the passing game, but I think that all dries up. Where are you at with Taylor here? Because I mean, the leagues I have Taylor, I'm drawn dead anyway. But I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if this is good for Taylor. I don't know if it's bad for Taylor. I can't imagine that it's great for him. No, I I can't either. Um, the the only the only thing I could say to talk myself into anything positive is I dare Ellinger to play worse than Ryan was playing. Ryan was getting there; on, he yeah. was like doing the flacco. Yeah. It was all on volume. All the efficiency yeah. numbers were terrible. He was holding the ball too long. He doesn't have the zip to make the outside the number throws anymore. But this is a guy, it's a quarterback with no pedigree at all. I mean, if Ellinger ends Nothing. up being like even a capable NFL starter, we'll all be surprised. 
I think what I, the way I've looked at this quarterback change is that the offense that they were running with Matt Ryan these last couple of weeks, like I don't think there's any chance that they can do that with with Sam Ellinger. And it wasn't it was like hit or miss, right? From an NFL perspective, they really caught the Jags sleeping that you can run a crossing route every play and and actually move an NFL offense down the field. But then obviously Tennessee Titans just completely wiped him off the field. But it was good for fantasy. It was definitely good for fantasy. Like all these guys, Deion Jackson catching a ton of dump offs, John yeah. Taylor catching dump offs, and you know Michael Pittman getting sixteen target games. Like I don't think we're necessarily going to get those with Sam Ellinger. But is there a chance, uh, Frank, that Sam Ellinger could do kind of like a a sort of Carson Wentz impression from the year prior, where like they just hand the ball off, they give him the most simple RPO reads of all time. And that's a lot to like. And I come back to that Naheem Hines quote all the time, how he was sort of voicing frustration with having to change offenses every single year because of the style of the quarterback. Well, they're about to change offenses for like the third time this year because what they were doing the last two weeks (laughs) is totally different from what they were doing to open the season. And I'm fairly positive they'll be changing offenses once again here with this new quarterback, potentially going all the way back to basically what they were doing in 2021, which means it's going to be running the ball with Jonathan Taylor over and over and over again, maybe not as efficient as efficiently as they were doing in 2021, and then just passing, like throwing it up to Michael Pittman down the field, which is Michael Pittman could do that, but it's not what he's been doing so far this year with Matt Ryan. Yeah, and I guess one of the things I was trying to get at with Taylor is like maybe this does become like an RPO type of offense because the Colts have to know you're not dropping just Sam Ellinger back on three, five, seven-step drops. Like that's... That ain't it. You got to figure out a way to win with this guy and using his mobility is going to help. And so, you know know how it is with the math changes when you have to account for the quarterback in the run game, which nobody had to him at Ryan, obviously. So maybe that opens up some things for Jonathan Taylor. I don't know, man. I'll I'll tell you this. I'm I'm on the commanders plus three here because I don't know what I'm getting out of Sam Ellinger. They might get they might score three points, lose, you know, 21 to three here. I, I don't I'm not betting on the Colts as a favorite with Sam Ellinger sight unseen. I'll tell you that. And Taylor Heineke, uh, ODU's finest, man. Uh, he's back, and he's looking. Uh, oh, God. Like, that's a thing, man. <laughs> what are we doing here? Washington goes. <laughs> they've seen Taylor Heineke play, right? They know exactly who he is. And they're like, we have to go trade for Carson Wentz, who the Colts are getting rid of like he's on fire. And we have to guarantee his whole contract. And we got Carson Wentz. And the first time oh. Heineke plays, they're like, maybe we go back to Heineke. Like, wow, wow, wow. Oh, it's such a bad organization. But I will say this. I was pleased as a Terry McLaurin owner in many leagues to, to see Same. him kind of reemerge. Like, it was like, oh, God, he's off the milk carton. Maybe we could get something out of Terry McLaurin. I hope that continues. But just the commander's whole, like, hey, this Taylor Heineke guy, maybe we could start him over Car- Washington, when when are you not going to suck? Like when? It, Never. It's unbelievable. There's unbelievable a great tweet. I forget who tweeted it, but somebody tweeted that every Heineke pass looks like a potential pick six, and I'll, and I'll co-sign that. But <laughs> yeah. at least Washington did two things that fantasy managers want last week. One, they prioritized McLaurin. He had a 25% target share, get back in the end zone. Happy to see that. And two, they reduced the backfield from three effective to two effective. Basically, McKissick hardly played. Robinson was the pounder. They had a role for Gibson, which means that you can play Robinson as kind of like a lower-end RB2. You can play Gibson as that Sigmund Bloom, what-the-heck flex, and you can just you know throw McKissick back on the waiver wire and forget that you ever drafted him. Hard to believe the Buffalo Bills had interest in McKissick. There was a, a fight over J.D. McKissick yeah, not that long ago. Jason. That yeah, fight has ended. Know. Even Washington's <laughs> given up now. But one of the keys in fantasy is anytime you can reduce a backfield from three to two, and at least last week that's what Washington did. They won the game. I would think they would do more of the same at Indianapolis.
Totally agree. All right, Packers at Bills Sunday night football. Can't wait to see how many um, pissed off looks Rodgers gives the sideline in a nationally <laughs> televised football. Never game. his fault, Matt. Never, never, his, never fault. his, never his fault. I mean, my God, unbelievable. Um, but Scott, obviously, the thing we care about the most, <laughs> the only thing we care about in fantasy with the Green Bay Packers is the backfield. Where are we at with these two guys? Yeah, there was this idea. Look, I, I was an Aaron Jones guy. I was like. Perfect second round pick. I have a lot of them. I think Frank and I co-manage a team where we have Aaron Jones, and he's been hit or miss. He's had plenty of brick yeah. games. I, I get it. But I mean, five point five a carry. Dylan's at three point nine, and and he's been much better as a receiver. We saw Jones was you know kind of the Green Bay passing game, and and look, is it the most efficient way to run your offense through Aaron Jones in the passing game? Maybe not, but he scored a couple of touchdowns. The idea was that you could draft AJ Dylan. As a standalone, you know, maybe Jones gets hurt, but even if he doesn't, Dylan's going to have value. Throw that all out. A.G. Dylan's the worst thing you can have in fantasy now. He's not good enough to start. He's not juicy enough to trade, and he's too good to cut. He just stands in your way. And so I think Aaron Jones deserves a benefit of the doubt. I hope LeFleur keeps. I know they lost the game, but at least Jones was effective in that game, and they hope they keep it. On the Buffalo side, I'll say really quickly, Devin Singletary's usage lines up really neatly. When games are competitive, he basically doesn't come off the field. When games are not competitive, he's like a 50% snap player. I'm curious if Green Bay can punch back enough that Singletary can get the 15 to 20 touches we'd like to see. Because if it becomes a blowout, according to pattern, maybe he goes back to being an 8 to 12 touch player. I do think Devin Singletary's a little bit underwrapped. He's not going to win a league for you, but he's going to at least pay back your ADP, which is more than I can say right now for A.J. Dillon. I mean, my God, A.J. Dillon absolutely buried in a big spot. But you're right. And I wonder if A.J. Dillon fits into the, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show. We were just alluding to it, uh, Frank, where he's like, guys who are making mistakes, you know, need to have their reps cut or whatever. (laughs) I mean, Romeo Dobbs absolutely fits into that group when you watch his team. I mean, some of those drops against, uh, you know, I don't I often think drops are over overrated and over focused on. But some of those drops that Dobbs was making us like. Are you just like, are you trying to throw it out of your own hands there? It was kind of unbelievable. Um, although Dobbs has had his moments this year, but he has certainly been a mistake-prone player. Rodgers has been a mistake-prone player. Dylan has been a mistake-prone player. Amari Rodgers, that's another guy that every time he gets on the field, there's a mistake. So I think that's an easy something one. something that he has like five career receptions of five career fumbles or something like that. If he got punts, like oh Amari Rodgers, like what's he doing on a roster anymore? Could have taken a could have taken a Monroe St. Brown over uh, Amari Rogers, which is uh, weird. Which is weird because Amari Rogers is like five nine. The Packers never draft anybody who's five nine except this right. this one. Um, but yeah, that no, I'm looking at it now. Uh, just because he said that, he's definitely lost. Uh, well, he's he's got three fumbles so far this year, uh, and he has three he has three <laughs> and he has three catches this year. So we <laughs> oh Amari Rogers, everybody. Um, but um, yeah, certainly, I think that. And Lazard might miss this game because he's been uh, himself in a sling all week. And that's like the only guy that I mean, Lazard hasn't been perfect this year, but it seems like he's the only guy that Rodgers is even remotely happy with. Yeah, Big Bob Tanyan maybe too. I mean, he yeah, he might load up in this game. I this is one of those games, by the way, spread wise, where I just kind of blindly took the Packers. Like, Me too. all oh. right, I don't really feel comfortable with this, but uh, eleven and a half with Aaron Rodgers. Okay, I, I have to. It's a first time in his career. As people have probably heard by now, he's a double digit underdog. Previous record was eight and a half. The 2014 season opener at Seattle. So by far and away, the most points an Aaron Rodgers team has ever gotten. Um, I did want to talk about the Bills, and not necessarily just like this game because it's pretty obvious if, if you have bills you're getting them in your lineup uh, there's not a lot of analysis there but how if like i know this is probably a separate show but 
having an elite quarterback has been so important this year. And Josh Allen is the elite quarterback. He's unbelievable. How high does he go in drafts next year? How high would he go right now if we repicked? Would he be a first-round pick? Like, are we getting back to that point where we have a possible first-round quarterback debate coming up? Because the the whole, like, and I wrote about this last week, the whole class of 2021 quarterbacks is kind of a washout, Lawrence and yeah. Zach Wilson and Fields and all that. So we're having kind of a dearth of quarterbacks in the league where you can't just wait and take the 12th best quarterback anymore because you are getting so outgained by the top two or three guys. Have we reached a point yet where... Are we going to be considering Josh Allen like at the turn? Like I, I don't know how high we can get Josh Allen where it's reasonable in 2023. I think we are. What do you think, Scott? I mean, I think we're kind of at the point where we do have to, I don't know, maybe first round pick, but certainly like recalibrate where we're at with quarterbacks because for many reasons, I think it's it's also it's the quality of players, but also like just the way these guys play. Like they're giving you back like four or five years ago, nobody was giving you the rushing plus passing equity that a guy like Allen would or even a Mahomes does at certain times. To the point that you know the difference between uh, Aaron Rodgers as a pure passer and like Kirk Cousins as a pure passer, like I said four or five years ago, wasn't that big. But like now, when we're talking about Josh Allen versus versus Kirk Cousins, it's a big deal. Yeah, it's a great point by Frank. It's going to swing back. It, Josh Allen's not going to get out of the second round next year. And when people occasionally pick him in the first round, you're not going to get laughed out of the room. Yeah. Because it's not, it used to be, I used to say quarterback was like, you know, missing a train in New York City. You just, there's another one coming in five minutes. So what? You can do well at any ADP price point. And that has not been the case this year. And what will happen is there'll be a reaction to that, maybe even an overreaction. And people say, oh, okay, um, I can win my league with Josh Allen. I can win my league with Patrick Mahomes. I can win my league with Jalen Hurts. We'll see what Lamar Jackson does in the second half. He great first month, kind of an uneven second month. But you know, maybe Jackson gets back in that conversation. Maybe Joe Burrow's in that conversation because people are, are sick of navigating through that middle tier, which has been horrible. And, and the, the lesser tier, how many guys, if you didn't land on Geno Smith, how many cheap quarterbacks are you really happy about? <laughs> I mean, we're talking ourselves into Daniel Jones right now. We're talking ourselves into Justin right. Fields. That's how bad quarterback is. And you thought like go, coming out of drafts, you're like, I'm fine. I got Matthew Stafford. I'm fine. I got Tom Brady. I, yeah. Oh, I got Russell Wilson. I, I proactively drafted Russell Wilson. I'll cop to that. The, the entire middle tier has been awful, and nobody has saved you from the bottom end. And like I said, I, probably not Josh Allen in the first. I, I get it. But like you said, Scott, if you did it, I would be like, I at least understand the rationale. It's not going to be me. It's not going to be me, but I'm not going to like either. talk somebody out of it either. Exactly. Um. Hey, I'll tell you this. I'm in the Apex Writers League uh, with a bunch of other sharp folks, and I I timed out and ended up getting Josh Allen in like the, <laughs> the fifth round when, and then have to just hate myself as like everybody else waits till the seventh, eighth round to even start thinking about quarterbacks. But you know, who's in first place in that league, me. Yep. So mm-hmm. shout out. Yeah, I love how you said a... other. I love how you said other sharp folks, which is just oh, your your way well, of reminding everybody yeah, how sharp nice you are. That was very that was nice very oh, deft, wasn't it? All, wasn't right, it? Definitely all right, played all out. right, all right, all right. Enough of that. Sometimes, Enough of man, that. Sometimes you have to fold the case before it gets too obvious, man. <laughs> well, you know, I do my best. <laughs> Don't again, yeah, Mister Sharp over here times out in a draft that I'm like I'm really trying to win. I, and don't ask me what that's, my that's record 3D was last chess. year. That is Belichick 4D chess, man. That's what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. You're on a different level, indeed. Oh my God, yeah, I can't wait to figure out uh, how my quarterback rotation is going to go if I'm the Belichick of this group. All right, Halloween game, Monday Night Football, last one here. Bengals at Browns. Uh, Frank Scott blew his uh, blew his twenty team budget on Harrison Bryant. <laughs> is he going to feel good about it after this game? 
I, I guess I mean, tight end is such a wasteland that I, I did the same. I, I spent a lot of money on Harrison Bright in a couple leagues. I had Joku everywhere. He was a guy I loved before the season, so I'm scrambling there. This offense stinks. The defense might be worse. The Browns are terrible. I, I'm taking the Bengals minus three and a half. They're kind of that team that everybody's, hey, the Bengals are coming alive. They're going to be our second half team. And maybe they're right. Like, I don't know that beating the Falcons uh, at home it really is a sign that you've arrived, but at least they're showing some signs of life when so many teams around the league aren't. Uh, I, I like the Bengals in this spot. And I, I just, man, the Browns are getting to a point of like, I don't want to watch this team anymore. They're no. so tough to watch. They're not good at anything they do. Going to be totally irrelevant by the time Deshaun Watson gets back, which, hey, I'm not going to feel sorry for the Cleveland Browns over that. But yeah, I, I guess if if you want to get Harrison Bryant in your lineup, you probably have no other options at tight end like I do, like Scott does. Fine, go for it, I guess. Whatever. You're not going to feel very good on Monday night sweating that. I'll say this. The Browns are good at one thing. When they hand the ball to Nick Chubb, it, it's... He's great. Yeah, you know, he's, great. he's wonderful. Man, I wish he was on a different team. I'm rethinking Kevin Stefanski. I am wearing a Brian hat. It's, it's a Brian College hat. Um, Charles Pride is the best guard you've never seen. They're in the American East this year. America East? America East America East. Yeah, America, America East. Yeah, they're picked East, second yes. in the conference. So if you're anywhere near Smithfield, Rhode Island, they've got a bunch of transfers. Jared Grasso doing a great job there. You came here for Brian Basketball Talk. I'm giving it to you. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler Boyd, man, the guys get alligator blood, okay? This offense, we're all yeah. talking about Burrow and Chase and Higgins. I mean, it was Boyd last week, 8 for 155 and a touchdown. I realized it was a gift touchdown, a blown coverage. You don't think of Tyler Boyd beating a defense deep. It was a real freebie. Week before, though, I mean, he was in the 60s in yardage. He, he's on the field most of the time. And this is a really narrow usage tree, right? I mean, when the Bengals score, it's it's not to their backup running back. It's not to a satellite tight end. It's to one of their receivers. It's to the very playable Hayden Hurst. Uh, the volume is saving Joe Mixon, who really hasn't looked good all year. Oh, no. Yeah. And Joe Burrow's my man. I, I just love Joe Burrow going to the Saints game, wearing the Chase uniform. I, I love that he didn't make any excuses when they couldn't do anything right the first two weeks. He was taking all those sacks. They've been a much better offense since they switched to the shotgun as their main look. It's basically what they do exclusively now. It seems to fit them. Frank's right. Atlanta's defense stinks, and this is what the worst Saints defense we've seen in a while, so you have to take those games with a grain of salt. Guess what? Cleveland's defense stinks, too. It's really hard to find a fantasy receiver who's affordable, but Ty Tyler Boyd has been on my bench all year. I'm like, oh, I have better receivers than Tyler Boyd. I give up. I don't have better receivers than Tyler Boyd. I'm giving him circle of trust privileges. I got him in the low 30s this week. I need you, Tyler Boyd. You and me, let's spend Thanksgiving. Let's spend Thanksgiving together. Let's spend Halloween together. Let's <laughs> eat some holidays, peanut butter cups. Let's, uh, let's get a touchdown against the Browns on Monday. I like it. It makes sense schematically, too, because, you know, the big weakness of, like, a cover two, too high defense is right – is. Get, rip them in the middle, man. So Tyler Boyd makes a ton of sense there. Had like 100 yards last week before, you know, you could even like finish your cup of coffee if you're on the West Coast or you're you're done with your lunch on the East Coast, man. Like uh, that's how things go with the whole with. I, I think this makes I think it makes a lot of sense, Scott. I like that call. Tyler Boyd, I think there's going to be a lot of like splits of, oh, in the first half of the year, Tyler Boyd was wide receiver 63 or whatever. And he's going to be like wide receiver 22 the rest of the way. So I like that call a lot. Gentlemen, hell of a show. Love to see it, Frank. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Scott, you know, hey, Scott's, go Scott's watch Rounders. Go watch Rounders, nah, I mean, Matt. Everybody, everybody out such there. such a fun show. This, uh, everybody. Matt, I'll fun. see you Sunday night. And Frank, I'll see you when I see you. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, do this, we'll do this again soon. And I bet by then I have not seen Rounders. Let me tell you what, Frank. Ah. 
It's probably not. We gave you, I don't, we gave you half the movie in this show. Yeah, <laughs> we really. gave you. Like, I don't even know. That's post. what they were talking about. Oh. You you could you could give me a a, a million guesses. I wouldn't even be to be able to tell you who's in the movie. Like life depends. Matt Damon on and Matt Damon and Edward Norton. Come on, John Turturro, Famke Jansen, oh, um, the, the guy who who played um, Jackie April in The Sopranos. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I love when actor is totally unrecognizable between two roles. John Malkovich, you forgot Malkovich. Malkovich. Yeah, John Malkovich oh, for sure. God, he's such sure. a great character. Matt, don't you Matt, like Oreos? I, I'm so disappointed. So Matt, can you lose your rent money playing wiffle ball? <laughs> <laughs> why the same five people win the FFPC every freaking every year? Season. They're the five luckiest people in fantasy. Why does Adam, Adam Levitan win money every week in DFS? He's the luckiest guy in fantasy football? It's a skill game, Matt. <laughs> oh, God, I love it. I, love I, don't know it. What to, I don't know what to tell you guys. I don't know what to tell you. I used to live with, uh, you know, Alex Gelhart in, in L.A. He was like my roommate. He's like a big movie buff and was just absolutely disgusted by all the movies I've not seen. So I'm used to this. Like, you could throw anything at me. Uh, I've, I've not seen these movies. I, I can't be hurt by this. You, you know I what, have Frank? No cop, cop to something. Frank, cop to something. What's the most famous movie you've never seen? I, you know what? See, in COVID times, I watched all of the AFI's top 100 of all time. Okay. So I crossed a lot of them off the list during COVID. Uh, there's really, like, I watched, I just recently watched Top Gun, which was probably my number one for a long time because I wanted to go see the new one. May, like, it. I've never seen Back to the Future from Front haven't to seen Back. It. Yeah. That's probably it, right? Back now. to the Future. Yeah, a lot of the older ones I haven't seen. Like I've never seen Casablanca A to Z, which is what? I know. Oh my god, that's really bad. Matt's as far as watch it, I, and you also anything that's a franchise, I'm just out on. I haven't seen any of the Fast and Furious movies or oh, any of the man. superhero movies. You know, I haven't seen any of that stuff. It's just not my thing. Uh, I also I, I haven't seen the Conversation. That's a really big miss on my uh, movie resume. I, I don't have that either. All right. Well, we could we could do this all day. Go down the list of things uh, I have not seen and, and that you guys have seen, and uh, the cultural gaps in my life. Because uh, let me tell you what, Scott, I have watched just about every superhero movie, even if I don't want to. It's just I'm a basic I'm a basic guy. I've got to do it. All right, that's enough. But we have you watched? But have you watched every Carolina offensive snap of the 2022 NFL season? God, burn your retinas if you do. Jeez. No, I have not. Uh, but I have watched more than I needed to. Uh, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, the amount of time like I haven't spend watching these classic movies but like yeah let me definitely make sure i you know get a chart on like kamar aiken in 2015 uh like, yeah pretty embarrassing so yeah that's what we'll, we'll compare we'll compare fringe movies to like fringe wide receivers i've watched over the year and then finally i'll be able to feel a lot of shame for that one but that is going to do it for us you can follow scott on twitter at scott underscore pianowski you can follow frank at yahoo schwab you can follow me if you want to, and don't tweet, uh, with, uh, don't tweet at me about any movies. I don't want to hear about it. Uh, at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. Please. If you want to, uh, you know, skip on following all three of us, but you probably shouldn't. Just follow at Yahoo Fantasy. They'll retweet our good tweets in your timeline when and if we have them. As always, Scott will be back on Monday morning with a recap of the Week Eight games. Until then, we're out.